and this is just normal stuff to a lot of people, but like now, like I own my own business, you know, I have a, a beautiful daughter, you know, everything, once I started doing the right thing, just everything worked out, like just everything aligned and just like, as long as I do the right thing and not use shit works out. That's just the bottom line. And that's the lesson here that I had to learn. Just do the right thing, man. And, and it'll work out. Everyone's fighting a battle that you can't see. I am James and welcome to Focus For You. In this podcast, I will give you tips to overcome the challenges that we all battle with. Welcome back. Won't put too much time in front of this. So as the story goes on, we start to realize that Kyle's journey is one of redemption and that he wants to see something more for himself. Yet he can't seem to get out of that funk or get out of that situation. And uh, part three, Kyle talks more to that. And he talks more to recovery and the things that have taken him out of the rut he's in and into a better place. No, it's, it's cool, man. I, I, you know, I speak a lot. Um, when I got involved with Narcotics Anonymous, the first thing that they suggested was like really get involved. Um, and, and so what I did off the rip is I started doing this thing they do, it's called uh, H&I, it's hospitals and institutions. It's where, it's like a little sect of NA where they bring meetings into like sober houses. Uh, I've spoken prisons, um, you know, where they bring a meeting into a hospital or a detox, basically a place where there's not a meeting available to these guys, you know? Um, and the story is a little bit different because I really don't want to trigger anybody. So we, we just kind of brush on the basics of the drug use and kind of focus on you know, the pain and, and then the recovery part. Um, but yeah, I dove into that hard and that's probably the reason I stayed clean for so long. It's just by trying to like embrace it and like understand it and give it back. You know, it, it, it's so wild though to think about it now. So I want to, I want to know how do you got from out of that house with that girl into recovery? <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you like a, a a quick zip into to there to to kind of more currently. Um, so I leave her house. My father my father dies, right? Um, that was one of the questions I had on on my list. Like you like literally killed my question list, like without me having <laughs> to ask them really. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's great. It's great. I I have to. I do less now with all right. of this. See, I'm making it easy for you. Yeah. Well, it helps. Yeah, I mean, you were going to ask about my father, you're saying? No, I was going to ask, was there someone who had uh, died while you were, you know, uh, while you were an addict, directly or indirectly, because yeah. of your addic addiction? Yeah, my father died. Um, and my grandmother, who lived at the house, in my mother's house, they both passed away um, while I was using. You know, I got the phone call. 
I zipped up to see my father. Uh, he was in the hospital. It was kind of like a, like a DNR situation where he was on a machine, you know, kind of talked to him a little bit. He didn't really speak, but you know, I just kind of made some peace with him and, uh, he passed away that night and it didn't really sink in. Um, my grandmother passed away. Um, I remember my grandmother's funeral. We were in the church that I grew up in and, you know, like in the church, those real hard, like bench pews that they have. Yeah. And the backing of the pew, like the person's back that's in front of you is like really close to you sometimes. Yeah. It's right in front of your face. Yeah. I remember at my grandmother's funeral being so high and it was like, you know, the church, the acoustics in the church, you know, it was like 50 foot ceilings, you know, the organs and all that. And it was dead quiet. And I remember like sitting there and I kept like nodding out and like passing out. (laughs) And I remember I fell forward and my head hit that pew so hard, man. And it echoed through the whole, the whole place. And I hit my head so hard. It like woke me up and I looked around and everybody was staring at me and I just got up and left. I was like, I can't, I was like, I, I I felt like a piece of shit. I'm like, I got to go. I just took off. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wild. So, you know, now, now I'm in a point where like, I know I'm a train wreck. I know I'm not employable. I'm not trustworthy. I'm fucked. So now I start being like comfortable with, Hey, you know, this is, this is my life. This is, this is just who I am. Yeah. I would have to think at some point you just kind of accept. You do. Like I, I can't. This is me. This I can't get right. Did, did I? I want to ask. Did, did death pop through your thought process? Like, yeah. Like I never wanted to. Like, I never said to myself, like, let me just do enough to just die. I never said that. But I'd be lying if I didn't kind of like romance the idea that it would just happen on its own. You know what I mean? Like just yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Just not out, just ride out into the sunset. Just that's it. Like, I mean, you, I don't know for sure, but you probably literally wouldn't even know that you had passed or no, feel or out, even feel it or even feel it. People go out real smooth. I've seen a lot of people overdose, man. They go out real like a baby. So you, you have seen people OD. Oh, yeah. More, more than, more than 10? Like, no, not, I've not seen it happen in front of me 10 times, but I okay. know a lot more than 10 people that I've overdosed. Okay. I've seen it happen in front of me a few times though. And it's, it's ugly, man. It's ugly. Jeez. Yeah. It's, it's wild. I remember in Springfield, there's a building that everyone used to get high in. They used to kind of hustle out of the back of it. And then, you know, you get your shit, you go upstairs and people will get high. And it was winter time. I remember dude opened the door and there was a dead girl in the building and people were just walking over and it was freezing out. So like she, she just, you know, she didn't really, I mean, she was there for a while. It was so cold that it, she didn't really, I guess, decompose or whatever. It's sick to think about, but I mean, people just didn't care. You know, they just step over and go get their shit. Oh, man. Wild. Oh, man, that is. I know. You know, because, you know, the first thing that pops in my head, that's somebody's daughter, that's yeah. somebody's sister, 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I mean, I, I get that you guys are in, a, in an incredibly different headspace at that point. However, there, I, I not I would quote unquote normal person that would walk through there would be mortified. Yeah. Completely and utter shell shock. And you guys were so um, predisposed to those situations and you needed to get high. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's like they say, man, there's levels to the shit. Like it's like functioning addict to a little bit reckless to like, you know, to getting arrested sometimes to like being a full blown like street person that that's like, you know what I mean? And then wow. just, it's like everything, all bets are off at that point. I, 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 I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think of that. I don't know how to, you, you hear, you hear stories, you read, you watch the documentaries and you're like, yeah, okay, sure, sure. And then you kind of talk to somebody that's kind of been through that and you, right. and I, and I promise you people, if you have met Kyle now today, you would never think. I promise you, I promise you. And that's a great atonement to him and his recovery and what he's doing day in and day out to stay on this path. So you yeah, I don't want to be that guy, man. I never want to be that guy. Yeah. Not any, yeah. I mean you were, yeah. so you know what it's like, and now you you don't ever want to go back. So you you're living with this girl. Now you're gonna get you're yeah. getting out of that situation. Yeah, so I go and I and I I, I bounce up to Springfield for, you know, and, and let me let me rewind just real quick. Like this whole time, I'm getting arrested a lot too, um, you know, in and out of the county jails. You know, a month, two months, three months, six months, little chunks. You know what I mean? Right. Because um, at this point, I'm like, I'm not hustling. I'm like, I'm shit. Like I'm lucky to have twenty dollars in my pocket. So you know, you get busted in the wrong neighborhood with a bag, or some paraphernalia or something, or tr- you know, trespassing just being in a building, you know, you start going through the court systems more and more and they start seeing you more. And, um, yeah, so there's that whole legal aspect of it too. So now, now I'm like really fucked because I have like all these court problems and a lot of times with like, you know, with a drug user that they'll bring you in and like, you know, this guy had whatever, $25 worth of drugs on him, give him some probation you, know, you get on the probation and then the same shit happens again six months from now. Now you violated your probation, you know, and you just, it's a revolving door. Yeah. Now you're just, now you're, you're just shit in and out, in and out. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going, I'm getting locked up in the county jail and, 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 you know, not really doing any time time, but like I said, a month, six months, sometimes eight, nine months, but it, it kind of adds up. And anyway, so I'm in Springfield and, I've kind of accepted that I'm like, I'm just screwed, you know? And I remember another point in my life where we talked about like ego and cockiness in, in that before where we were in like this tent, they called it tent city. It's a bunch of homeless people is all it was. But um, I remember being in the tent with like a backpack and, uh, you know, I was kind of staying with this girl. And I, I remember I was so like, this is the sick mentality. Like I, I was homeless with nothing and I'm in a tent with this chick and I'm thinking to myself, like I'm the baddest dude in there. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, I got the best backpack. I got the 
the, the best girl here, like all this shit, all this <laughs> shit in my head because I'm like starting to make, make it okay. Uh huh. Like making the best of it. And, and, and you're I'm, accepting like, the worst. Yeah. Like I, I got the baddest bitch in, in tent city. Like that's the sickness in my head at the time. You know what I mean? Wow. Like she's just as sick as I am. And that's, that's where you start to get comfortable with it and start to realize like, you know, like be good or be good at it, I guess. So it was normal. Normal. Because normal is what you surround yourself with. Yep. Normal is what you surround yourself with. That's it. Wake up, hustle, get high. It's never enough. The morning, the morning fix is never enough. So then you're, you get, you get, you get straight in the morning and then all day's hustling. So you can actually get high at night and it's still not enough at night either. You know, and, and I did that for a long time and between the tents and the shelters and the hotels. And eventually I came back to, um, I'm going to get into some recovery, man. I came back here, uh, and my mother now has cancer. Okay. I come back to the Hartford area. My mother's sick. I'm totally like oblivious to the situation. I'm getting phone calls from family. Like, listen, dude, this is it. Like you need to, this is not a joke. Like your mother's going to die. And I'm like, all right, I'll go see her. So, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd get high and I'd use, and I'd go to Har- You know, she was in Hartford. So I'd go to Hartford and just kind of sit in the room and just like, you know, not out in the room next to her and just, that was like me helping out or me playing my role. Yeah. So crazy. And then I leave and I never really knew what was going on. Like medically, I never really had a grasp on how bad it was. Um, she actually had pancreatic cancer, which is probably the worst. Yeah. Some of the one that's worst up there with with the worst. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to fast forward here. So I start running with this, a friend of mine and, uh, we're like living out of his car and we're using together and we're sleeping in the car. It's, 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 you know, it's summertime now it's a hundred degrees out. We're just driving around stealing and kind of like middle manning shit for people to make a few extra bucks. And, uh, and we're, we're shot. Like we're living out of backpacks. Like we'd stop at his mother's house once in a while. We weren't really working like just shit show. And we start doing that for a little while. And, I'm starting to get run down now. Now I've been doing this for like 10 years, excuse me. And I'm starting to get run down and my mom's sick and my brothers are moving out of the house and I'm getting older and I'm just like, this sucks. You know, this is awful. And, uh, we go out one day and I'm going to tell you, right. This is the last time I got high. This is the last time I got high. It's uh, September 26, 2010. We were, we were middleman and some shit for this dude. It was a, a biker type of dude, uh, not someone to mess with. Okay. And he would give us a lot of money and we would go get shit and, you know, bring him back his shit. And then we, you know, scrape off the top or whatever. And, um, one night we went out and we did that and the shit just didn't add up. Like whatever he gave us for money, it just wasn't enough to where we could get what we needed off of it type thing. Right. And so now we're starting to act shady with this dude's money because 
like we're like, well, this isn't enough. We need to get straight, you know, but we didn't want to burn the dude either. So we, uh, we get him his shit. We do a bunch of it. Now we're short and he's calling and calling and calling and calling. And it's getting a little crazy with the phone calls. And we come up with some fucking plan to, to I don't know what we're, I couldn't even tell you what we did. We, you know, did this and that to like make up for what we, we had used and all this bullshit and lies and, you know, big cloud of madness. And, uh, I'm sitting in target parking lot in the car and he's coming now he's heated. We got his shit finally, but we, we kind of strung him along for like four or five hours and I'm sitting in the target parking lot and it's like nighttime and, uh, I get high and I kind of put my head back and I, I, uh, I just like, damn dude, what a crazy day. And I just close my eyes for like one second and I just hear a tap at the window and it's the cops in my hometown, which, you know, I know them. Right. She's like, dude, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm just waiting for somebody, blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh, like in Target with heroin on your lap? She's like, get out of the car. So, you know, I take a deep breath and I'm just like, I'm like, I'm done. I'm like, right now I'm done. I'm done. That was it. I said, I'm done. Yeah. At that point. Said, fuck it. Let's go. I went went to the county jail. And I just gave up. I said, I'm done. Just take me. I don't care. You know, so I, I went in and I don't really know what happened with the other dude and then the money and the whole situation. I, I have no idea. Cause I went to the County jail and, uh, and the other dude got locked up. I think he bonded out really quick. So I, I've never seen him since, since then I never saw him again. So I go to jail and I'm there and I'm real sick in the jail. And I remember like I'm going to court and they're not really trying to like offer me anything or program or nothing, or they're not really talking about a sentence. It just, it's getting like prolonged. Every time I go back to court, it's just blah, blah, blah. I get a continuance. And, um, one day they, they knocked on my cell or whatever. And he's like, Oh, Kyle, you have a, you have a pro visit, which means like a legal visit. Right. And I'm like, I don't have a lawyer and I don't have any family. I'm like, what the hell is this? So I go and the dude's there and he's like, Hey man, we're going to offer you a program. It looks like you've never had a program before. Uh, you know, get you out of, get you out of jail. If you stay clean, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, a program. He's like, yeah. And I said, all right. And so we start talking and he's like, uh, you know, he's like, it's on park street in Harford and that's where I used to run. And I was like, nah, man, I'm good. And he's like, are you sure? And I said, yeah, I don't want to go to that area. He's like, I'm going to be honest with you, man. There's like 10,000 people sitting in jail cells right now waiting for programs. He's like, if you don't take this program, you, you might not get offered another one. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm good. I'm not, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm just not going to make it if I go there. I'm telling you, you know? So he says, all right, see you. He got up and left. I went back to my cell and I just waited it out. And, um, wow. Yeah. And I was like, did I do the right thing? But I knew in my head if I went to Hartford, I, it was oh, I was done. So I just waited, and about a month later, I got another knock on my on my thing, and it said, uh, "You know, you have a pro visit." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So I go down there, and he's like, "Hey, man, last shot. We have a program for you. Do you want the bed?" And I'm like, "Where is it?" He's like, "New Haven." I was like, "Let's do it. I've never been to New Haven in my life." So let's go. 
So they, they worked it out and they brought me to a place in New Haven. That was like a, I think it was a six month program. And I went and I got there and I had nothing. Like literally I had two books that I got arrested with and my jail clothes. And that's all I had to my name. That was it. Wow. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the program and it's like hardcore. Um, the director, the guy that runs it, who's still a close friend of mine to this day, was a, a dude that had about 20 years recovery at the time. Big dude, like a militant type dude, loud, huge, you know, very in your face. No BS. No BS. And, you know, very intimidating. Um, and I hated him, like off the rip. I'm like, this fucking guy. Uh but the way he, he talked to you was he knew what he was doing. It was very calculated, you know. He he kinda wanted to get people out of their comfort zone and and, and kinda shake things up, you know. So anyway, I go there and there's an, there's another dude around my age and uh I'm like, Hey, you know, can I bum a smoke from you or whatever? So we go outside and start talking, he gives me a cigarette and becomes you know, kinda hit it off a little bit. He gives me a pair of sneakers, a pair, pair of sweatpants or whatever. Um, the funny thing is, fast forward 10 years, he's that person is my best friend now in real life. And we both stayed clean. And we're the only two people out of 60 that stayed clean. Everyone else died or went back to the street or whatever, started using, back to jail, whatever. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. Yep. Dude, now I need I need to talk to your best friend too, bro. Just so you know, like, because I want to see how the story comes together, like his story, his direction. Because if you think about it, just quickly as I have, um, that the two of you guys were meant to be together. So, like, let's say you took the one in Hartford, you'd have never met this guy, and you no, and you probably and and there's a possibility that you would have ran in the streets and you ended like dead. Right, definitely. Definitely, I would have been dead or in jail for a long time. Dead or in jail for a long time, and I and I I want to say the same thing for your buddy too, because if you think about it, like just the fact that you guys went out for the cigarette and had a little bond, right, in a place where there's not a not a lot of leeway for for a, a mistake, and I'm sure you guys are both. I like there's one thing I like to say on my podcast about people is that you know. You have an accountability buddy, somebody that's going to hold oh, you, yeah. hold you accountable for the things that you say and you do, right? And make sure that you keep to those things. Absolutely. So, so I, I'm I, I'm firm in believing right now from what you're telling me, because from your story, everybody else has been a woman, so yeah. they they haven't been able to really keep you straight. Or to get in your face and say and and have you take them seriously with a level of respect, right? And it's actually funny you brought that up because I actually left out something super important towards the trail end of me getting locked up for my last time using or whatever. I was running with like a small group of people, and one of the girls I was like hooking up with, and you know, kind of like helping each other out, and uh, you know, we're like together, but it was more like a survival thing. Yeah. At the time. Um, she had gotten clean up 
about a month before I got arrested. So we kind of like phased out because she was like starting to get clean and I was a train wreck. So she kind of like, you know, was out of the picture. When I got back into the program, I only had like three or four phone numbers. And, you know, back then you remembered people's phone numbers. Yeah, yeah, you did. You know, you you, did. Right. There was pay phones still. And, you know, I didn't have a cell phone. So I could only call her my mother. And I wasn't going to call my mother because my mother was sick. And what am I going to say? Like, hey, mom, I'm in rehab again, you know? Yeah, we've we've heard this story before. Yeah, like I wanted to show her and not just like say it. So I was like, I'll give it some time before I call her. Um, So I called the girl. She was clean. She brought me a little bit of clothes. She actually held me down. She was she was real good to me in there. I you know, she brought me some clothes. She would help me out. Um, You know, I'd see her on the weekends occasionally, you know, and she she held me down in there. And all in the meantime, the place was kind of like bussing us to meetings, you know, for the program. They, were, they would take you in this little van to meetings. And I remember um, it'd be like seven or eight dudes, like fresh out of jail. No one had clothes. Everyone was shot. And we'd all go in and like borrow, you know, borrow a shirt, borrow sneakers, spray mad cologne on. Like, <laughs> we were going out like to us. We yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so this little ass cargo van packed with like eight dudes just reeking like cologne. You know what I mean? Yeah, all the same like, cologne too. All the same cologne. <laughs> we we get out, we go in the meeting, we'd all stink. Like everyone in the meeting knows we're from the program or whatever. And um, yes, but I just kept going to meetings and 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 eventually, um, you know, some things started to click, and more time now was you know, coming in between me and the last time I used and the more time you have, the easier it gets, you know, things start to become clearer and make sense a little bit. And, you know, the bottom line is if I didn't use, I'm good. Right. So we're in the program and, and, um, eventually I called my mother and I just said, Hey, and she, you know, we started talking and I never said to her, um, Hey, I'm doing great or anything. I never like, I was real like broken down and humble. And I just talked to her. I never said like, Oh, I promise this time's the time. None of that bullshit. Just like, just, Hey, this is where I'm at. Just wanted to say hi. You know, the the phone calls were brief and, um, yeah. So I, I did that for a little while. Um, and, and just kept going to these meetings, man. Just kept going to these meetings, trying to tune out, the, the idiots, a lot of idiots in those programs, a lot of people that aren't there for the right reasons or whatever. Um, and, and, and just kind of stay away from those guys. Did you, um, um, do you, during this, during this time, did you think about using? Uh, yeah, man, I did like, there was definitely some cravings. Um, you know, you're still like in downtown New Haven, which is like pretty, like a pretty rough area, you know, a lot of drugs, a lot of homeless people, a lot of colleges. It's just, it's, it's not very safe of a place for a user. Yeah. For For some, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. But I stuck with my boy there that I had met and a couple other guys, you know, that we became close with. Um, and, and just kind of like, you know, like they say, like the sheep, the sheep that goes off on his own is the one that gets picked off or whatever. So we kind of like stay in packs. You know what I mean? 
yeah. for safety, you know? Yeah. And, and we would do that. And I, I'd go to his family's house on the weekends and hang out. And his family actually like seriously, like almost adopted me at this point. You know, I'm eating, I'm eating like big Italian meals and, and they're taking, taking good care of me and like being there for me and shit. And I didn't have that from anyone. So it was, it was awesome. And I didn't want to lose it either. Like, no. I liked it. I liked, right. Right. I liked it. Right. Yeah, man. So it just kind of started, like things started clicking at that point. Um, you know, I was there for about six months. Uh, I got a job. Um, coincidentally at the same place that you used to work at that you always talk about, <laughs> not the same place, but another place, you know, same company area, yeah. same company. Okay. And I got a little job and, um, you did have, you had mentioned that to me, um, when I had first met you that you did work for that company too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I worked there now here's another really crazy dynamic. So now I'm getting out. That girl's still holding me down. I'm starting to get like visits and like, um, and like, like a little bit of leniency at the program. You could like go out, you know, for the day or whatever or on weekends, you know, so we're starting to like do stuff and, and stuff. And, um, my first visit, first, first visit, first time they let me out of the cage, um, we hook up and she gets pregnant. Boom. Wow. Right yeah yep first so so that's my daughter now who's you know seven and a half wow so i had already been clean six months then you know she's pregnant for whatever nine months that's my daughter today who's seven and a half never seen her father use ever her whole life um yeah she gets pregnant so now i'm like in a program with nothing a part-time job and a baby on the way <laughs> clean like a year, not even a year, like eight, nine months. It's like your priority switch to, to, to grown ass man and matter of months. Yeah. It didn't really sink in like the whole baby thing. It, it just, it, my life was so fucked up already that like that, I didn't even blank. You wow. Know, and, and it didn't even, if someone told me today they were pregnant. I, oh my god! I don't know what I would do. <laughs> like I'm just—if you're not prepared for it, if you're not planning for it, right? If you're not in a place, but I mean, it'll shake you up, man. But that's insane. That was that was like, oh really, baby? Cool. I'm like, all right, you know, let's do it. So and, you, so I, I've, I know nothing of this world from you, so. All I know is that from this point, from that point on, you just continue to grow. You continue to make something more of yourself. Yeah. I mean, really, I just continue to not use drugs and everything fell into place. Like, that's really all I did. Like, it wasn't some magical, you know, like epiphany. It was none of that. It was just like, don't shoot dope today and steal. And just get up and do something productive and that's it and just be normal wow and eventually you know things start falling into place for me to think with all of that with everything that you had to go through that a simple thought process was that simple <laughs> yeah i know it's it's really that easy 
it's really that easy. And, and I tell people this a lot. So, so from there, I start going to the meetings. I start becoming like a staple in the meetings in that area. Like people start knowing me, recognize my face. I go into the meeting, I get a hug. Hey, how you doing? How's so-and-so? How's the baby? All this like normal shit that no one's ever asked me how I was doing. You know what I mean? No one's ever said to me, I can't wait to see you next week. In like 15 years, no one's ever wanted me to return to the, back to the place. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one's ever told me to come back ever. Wow. You know? So 15, I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll oh, be here next man, week. Man, dude, I, I, I don't even think about it. Yeah, you're on a 15-year journey, bro. Yeah. 15 years of your life thrown away because of you're using. Right. Because you can't, because you, oh man. And nobody, and nobody could have told you anything different in those 15 years prior to that. No, nope. Yeah. So I'm one of these firm believers that it, it doesn't matter how many people say, how many things they say to you, how many times over it's going to take one moment, one particular idea that pops into your head as the individual and it's going to change your life forever. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, that person is the director of that program at the time. And you know what? And I, I think about him a lot and I don't keep in contact with him as much as I should. I might give him a text tomorrow now that I, now that, you know, I've been thinking about this, but that person is responsible for saving my life. And I remember the first conversation we actually had, you know, we sit down and there's like a little chow hall, like cafeteria thing. And he comes in and he's like loud and he, dude looks like Tyson. Like he's jacked, you know, very, very like just in your face kind of dude. And he's like going around the room and I'm fresh off the street. And he's just like, he's like, Kyle, do you love yourself? And I'm like, what? I'm like, I don't want to talk about that. Like, what are you talking about? Like I'm in a room full of 40 dudes. I don't know. I don't want to talk about this. You know what I mean? Right. So we start like arguing and he's like pushing my buttons. But the reality is I just didn't have an answer for him. Like I was uncomfortable with myself. I, I didn't know what to say. I was embarrassed. I'm not going to talk like that in front of men. Maybe, I, you know, who knows? But I, I remember getting into it with him and I was like, why is he put me on the spot like that? But that's how he was. He, he was trying to like get you out of your, out of your, out of your comfort zone. Yeah. He's trying to make you feel vulnerable. To Very. make you realize that it's not that bad on the other side. Right. And, and and I'm like, damn, this guy's an asshole. I remember thinking that. And, um, you know, even little shit, like we'd be all cool and I'd help him do this and we do that and we talk. And then like, I'd ask him for like a simple thing, like, you know, an extra phone call. And he's like, no. And in my head, I'm like, you know what? Fuck you, man. I'm like, we, two minutes ago we were like, cool. And now I can't even have this. And it's just like that entitlement and that, that me, me, me shit that comes with like using drugs, that, that attitude. But he was kind of trying to train you to think like, dude, it's not about you, man. Like you need to really like pump your brakes a little bit. You know, you're not in the street right now. Not anymore. You got to kind of conform to society a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like his way of like kind of showing you, um, you know, because for dude, I hadn't answered to anybody in forever. Nobody, not a landlord, not a boss, nobody. I know you not think about that for, for, nothing. for our 15 years, you hadn't had an answer. Yeah, I mean, nobody. there were some periods of time where I was working, you know, but yeah, but overall, that doesn't, that doesn't really count. And you didn't even care then. So yeah, 
overall it was well let's let's say a solid 10 years to be fair about 10 years okay well yeah 10 years there's still a one in front of that number bro (laughs) right right and and you know so i don't know man we start we we just kept going to meetings like i said i got really involved with h and i started speaking now i'm i'm going to jails and parole houses and, and talking where it's wild because I was just there. Like I was just on the other side of that chair. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now I'm here like talking and it, it was just surreal. And I'm like, I like this. And now I'm kind of getting a rush from that because I mean, really like, cause you see the impact that it has. Yeah. But you see I, the people's point, faces. Man, I'm going to keep it real with you. Like it was selfish. Like I wasn't doing it for them at that point at all. I was doing it for me. Doing it for you, know, you in, in what regards? Just keeping me clean. Okay. Like, I wasn't going there to, like, preach some big message. I was just going there, sharing my story, and it made me feel, like, good. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with being selfish. Um, especially, I know that you feel bad about being selfish because you had been selfish for a better part of 10 years. And now you're in a place where you're clean and that selfish thought process um, kind of reminds you of where you were, but right. little do you know who, who your, your message is probably affected somebody to go get clean, bro. So as you, as much as you want to call it selfish, I like to think of it as, okay, you got up there and you told your story so you can feel good about your sobriety and, and keep going. But you've yeah. also probably created somebody's somebody's light to click on in their head and say, you know, if he can do it. Well, I liked I liked um I liked doing it too because at the time, you know, I was, you know, ten years younger. So I was still a pretty young guy. I was like thirty, thirty one at the time, getting clean. And when you go into like so there's a lot of stipulations in, in Narcotics Anonymous or, or AA or whatever. It's a bunch of old geezers and, you know, I can't relate to these guys and all this bullshit. So when they see like me and my boy who, who you know, the guy I was talking about that became my best friend, you know, we show up to a meeting and it, oh, got a new car, a cup of coffee, you know, come in. Hey, what's going on? You know, and we're young and people can relate to that more, yet the younger crowd. Yeah, absolutely. Especially the, so, the people, the younger users. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm, we're listening to the same music maybe, or they're into the same cars or whatever it is, you know, it's just, it's, there's more of a vibe. So like the younger crowds, like really, you know, it'd be like if I went to a meeting and saw someone around my age with some clean time, it would be like, damn, there's some hope here, you know? Right. And it's just more relatable. Yeah. Well, you said it right there. There's some hope. Yeah. So they don't think that it's all over, you know, and then you start, then you open your mouth and you share their story. You share what you shared with me, even right. like, I mean, maybe not to the full extent, but I mean, dude, it's still way above and beyond anything that I could possibly imagine. And I, I don't, I mean, I keep saying this, bro, but I really appreciate you sitting here and taking the time with me. And telling me this story, I knew you had a story. I knew you had a life, and I and prior to us meeting, but you know, I would have not thought of it this way. And I, I, I truly and can say, dude, I'm really glad that you're still here with us, 
and I'm yeah, man, I'm, I'm really glad that. that your daughter never know never have seen you in a place where you're where you're not the best you you can be and uh i i um i'll always be pulling for you so she never sees that that side of you too bro yeah i mean i obviously it's a, it's a, a real thing people relapse and and people you know go back but i i can't say like i'm cured or anything like that because there's no that, and that's the other thing. There's no finish line here, man. No, I know the finish. The finish. Not, the finish line is death. The finish line is right. death. Yeah. I, I don't. You don't like. Hey, I'm clean now. Like my problems are over. Like once you get once you once you stop using the drugs, then you have to like fix all the damage, man. All the burn bridges. All the bad credit scores. All the legal problems. All the irresponsibilities. All the medical problems. When I got clean, the first thing I did, and this is no joke, man. I. I got a credit card. I had nothing. I got a credit card. Somehow my credit wasn't terrible. And I, I spent like four or $5,000 getting, getting my teeth fixed up. Cause I was all fucked up. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be able to get a job and, and, and not like be embarrassed or whatever, you know? And I, I had done a lot of damage to myself. So I had to get, had a bunch of medical shit, had to get straightened out and, and, you know, things like that. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, Another thing that's wild too is like when I finally did call my mother and we, we started talking, um, she, after like a couple awkward conversations, she said, you know, you don't need to tell me that you're doing good. I, I know. I said, how do you know? She's like, cause you're not trying to like sell me a dream. You know what I mean? You're not, you didn't, you didn't, you don't have, I just know you're not trying to convince me this time. She just knew. And, um, when I told her, <laughs> When I told her I had a baby coming, the first thing she said to me, um, and she would be pissed at me for telling this part of the story, but you know what? It's, this is what happened. For, when I told her, she knew that I wasn't that responsible yet, and I really wasn't ready to do any of these things. And she said, um, I said, Ma, you know, we're going to have a baby, this and that. She's like, oh, my God, it's going to be a crackhead baby. And, all, you know, she she went crazy. Like, she wasn't cool with it. Yeah. She Well, <laughs> what, what was she supposed to feel? What was she supposed to know, think, man. dude? But I'll tell you what, man, she, so she only had boys. She had my, me and my two brothers and then took care of my father until he passed. She only had men in her house her whole life. And when I told her it was a girl, this is wild. She got excited. Her pancreatic cancer went to remission, which is totally unheard of. Totally, totally fucking medical anomaly. Doesn't happen. Okay. And she lived for six years, man with my daughter. Wow. You know, with my daughter in her life. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Man, I got goosebumps. Yeah. It's nuts. Like when I think about it, I got, it's nuts you know, from head to toe, bro, I got goosebumps. They do studies on pancreatic cancer. And I'm not trying to be morbid to, you know, anyone listening or anything, but there's not like studies after a year. There's, there isn't because there's not enough people alive to do a study. Jeez, man. You know what I mean? And she lived six years. That's fantastic. Crazy. Right? That is that that is that is that is unbelievably fantastic and well over the top, bro. I I I don't know, man. I'm this is this, I, I I again. Thank you for this journey. I hope everybody out there that's listening is enjoying this as much as I am. Um, I say this with every episode that I do. My last episode is my favorite episode. So um, I I can't I can't even go past this point right now. So 
I'm going to hang it up here with you now. And um, I hope that we can stir up some conversations with the people out here that are listening. So um, if they're out there and they want to know more, we're going to kind of try to um, get people interested in this. And, you know, maybe we'll see where else this goes, bro. Yeah, man. I mean, you ever want to talk again or whatever, you know, hit me up and we can we could talk. It was great. I'm, I appreciate you having me on and let, give me the opportunity to speak. And, you know, maybe someone hears some of this shit and <laughs> can relate a little bit and just knows there's some hope out there that you don't have to live that way, that you can get clean, you know? Um, and, and there's hope. I mean, now, I mean, I'm, and this is just normal stuff to a lot of people, but like now, like I own my own business, you know, I have a, a beautiful daughter, you know, everything, once I started doing the right thing, just everything worked out, like just everything aligned. And just like, as long as I do the right thing and not use shit works out, that's just the bottom line. And that's the lesson here that I had to learn. Just do the right thing, man. And and it'll work out, you know? Yeah, man. I appreciate it, man. Thanks. No problem, James. Thanks for, uh, thanks for letting me share my story, man. Yeah. Anytime. I want to thank Kyle for putting it out all on the line, being vulnerable, sharing something that at one point he is very embarrassed to share with. And I can't reiterate enough how important that is as we all fight our individual battles, that we all fight our demons, we all fight the things that we are probably most shamed of or most embarrassed by, that at some point you got to live your own truth and Kyle is an incredible incredible example of that and that he stands up and he stands on the other side of of his addiction and what he's doing to stay sober have sobriety have happiness have joy have people that he had once hurt become uh, people in his corner once again. So if you see that, if you understand that through Kyle's story, then you can too change wherever you are in your life, whatever rut that you're in, whatever demons are plaguing you, you can also step on the other side of that. I also, as I close this out, want to send a very big special thank you to Kyle. I was incredibly humbled. You guys can tell throughout the episode how incredibly humbled I was and how incredibly gracious I was. But man, that guy put it all out out there. And I man, Kyle, man, shout outs to you. New level of respect for you. New level of uh, appreciation for you being here. New level of appreciation for you even being on my show, man. So please please, please, people, go out there, hug somebody, love somebody, let them know that you are here and that you're being present for them as they go through their times. Hey guys, thanks for stopping by again today and pressing play with me. 
I really appreciate you. I really have a great value for every one of your likes, every one of your downloads, every one of your subscriptions, every one of your retweets. I appreciate all of that. So make sure that you guys are on my Facebook being active. That's Focus For You, the podcast, and on my Twitter page at Focus underscore For You. So get out there. I want to hear from you. Let's keep doing this. Until next time, Focus For You.